Amazing. Okay, so we're going to wrap up this series. And um, my hope this morning is to um, make one point um, that I'm hopeful kind of will kind of pull all the other threads together, if you like. Um, so my one point is this, is very simple, um, is that actually we desperately need more of the Holy Spirit. It's such an, it's such an obvious, simple statement, but it's so true. Um, you know, we've talked a lot um, in this series about coming back to... You know, we don't want this to be a, a series we talk about once. Um, we don't want it to be an external pressure that because we're talking about it on Sunday mornings, we're like, right, I really ought to, I ought to share my faith more. I ought to tell more people about Jesus. And it's an, kind of an ought to mentality. There's an external pressure on us. Um, that's not the goal. Um, that, would, that sustains us for a little bit, but that's not going to move us into a lifestyle. You know, what we really um, are believing for and are wanting is actually an internal burden. It's like, actually, do you know what? Uh, you know that actually the the joy of my salvation, you know, me realizing just what Jesus has done for me would be absolutely ever front and center for me. I, like I'd just be constantly reminded of what Jesus has done for me. Actually, that I'm constantly aware um, that God so loved the world that He gave, not just for me, but for every single other person. So people who don't know Jesus yet, actually, I mind. Actually, compassion for those people moves me. All of this comes out of not an external pressure and a kind of a should-do attitude to sort of good Christian things I should tick off. Have I, have I been a good witness this week? It would come out of an internal burden. So not an external pressure, but an internal burden. Um, and actually, the thing is, that internal burden, actually, that, you know, me being, the joy of my salvation being restored to me, being compelled by the love that I've found to go to others, being, um, you know, sowing seeds, you know, praying for people who don't know Jesus yet, all of that, you know, being inspired, motivated, and moved, it's all the Holy Spirit's work in me and then through me. So in all of the things, all the various kind of threads and aspects we've looked at in this series, like, we need the Holy Spirit to come and breathe life in us and through us again, or at least I do. Like I need more of the Holy Spirit. And so um, without him, actually all of this is a waste of time. You know, the Holy Spirit is, he is the one who makes the presence of God real in our times together, in our kind of Monday to Friday, nine to five, in the stuff that we do, the stuff we put our hands to. It's the Holy Spirit who makes that stuff real. It's only, you know, by him and with him and through him that actually we're going to see the stuff that, um, that we believe and the stuff that we want. You know, I want for us to raise our expectations. You know, I don't want to just have faith for salvation. Like, I want to see consistent testimonies of salvation. Like, that's what I want. Um, we absolutely need the Holy Spirit. So for all of the things that we've talked about, it's the Holy Spirit that we need. There's this brilliant quote I want to read you from a book by a theologian called Gordon Fee. And he's writing about, it's called, the book's called um, Paul the Spirit and the people of God. And he's looking at um, the Apostle Paul's letters in the New Testament, um, and particularly looking at the Holy Spirit and the life of the early church. And he says this brilliant phrase, he says, one reads Paul poorly, who does not recognize that for him, the presence of the Holy Spirit as an experienced and living reality was the crucial matter for Christian life from beginning to end. Like we are missing it if we don't realize that. You know, the, and I love it, the experience and living reality, not a conceptual awareness you know, of you know, one part of the Trinity. Like That's not going to cut it. Actually, for you and I to have an experience and living, real encounter with and walk with the Holy Spirit, like, that is the crucial matter for the whole of our Christian life. So in witness and in mission and being an ambassador, as much as any other part of my life, I need 
the Holy Spirit in me. Actually, to do marriage, to raise kids, to manage my finances, to, to do all the things that I'm called to do, I need the Holy He is the crucial matter, not an optional extra, you know, or a, a possible, like, it's, he's the crucial matter. So from beginning to end, so from the point where someone who doesn't know Jesus first hears the good news, from that point to when someone believes in Jesus, gets saved, commits to walking as a disciple, to kind of tries to figure out how do I do this ambassador thing? Like till my very last breath, the Holy Spirit as an experience and living reality is the crucial matter. I need, we need more of the Holy Spirit. So that's my point, essentially. That is, that is all I want to say this morning. But I want to kind of try and... Um, Jump in some bits in the Bible to kind of, I suppose, highlight that, listening to all the stuff we talked about this series, it's not just stuff for us to do and, and us to choose to believe and to think differently and act differently. In all of these things, it's the, actually, it's Holy Spirit is going to come and breathe life on them. So let's have a look in John 14. We read this verse last week, and this is Jesus talking at the Last Supper. So just before Jesus goes to the cross, he has this amazing evening with his disciples. And John chapter 14, 15, 16 through to 17, and um, Jesus talks a lot, and I, we haven't got time to look at all of the various points where he brings them back to, listen, I'm promising you I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He talks about it a lot, and, and he begins to, listen, I'm going, I promise I'm going to send you this person, and this is what he's going to do, and this is what it's going to look like. So this is, um, this is John 14, verses 15 to 19. It says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. So here we have this beautiful promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, actually. And I love that phrase. He says, you know him for he dwells with you. It's like you have an, there's been an, an awareness of him, like he is with you, but there's a promise of, listen, there's something more. So he is with you, but he will be in you. It's that promise of Pentecost, looking to there was going to actually be more of this promised Holy Spirit. But the, the, the deal is, listen, the Holy Spirit is the way that we know God's with us. That, you know, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I mean, Jesus even says later in John, he says, it's better that I go because then he will come and he'll be with you forever. And so, you know, in this, in this journey of, listen, I want us to step out with faith and expectation for salvation and being good ambassadors. As we go, it's super important, you know, nail that stake in the ground that as I go, he's with me through the Holy Spirit. That's an absolute promise Jesus made. He will be with you. He will be in you. Um, He's with us. He's never going to leave us as we go. But we need to recognize this and we do need to go. Like we are sent. We looked at that last week. You know, there is zero wriggle room. If you read the New Testament, you are all commissioned. We are all called to be ambassadors. We are all supposed to go. Um, and so we looked at that, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, that, listen, we're called to both show and tell the gospel. It's not just what we say, it's what we do, words and actions. Um, and it's about actually us committing to telling my story, sowing seeds. Like, again, we've talked about, you know, listen, you don't have to go from, you know, telling people about Jesus to having them make, you know, confession and believing in Jesus all in one conversation. Listen, just, it's part of the journey. You know, your part is to sow some seeds and maybe take, help them take the next step. Sometimes it is going to be from, you know, naught to 60 all in one go and amazing. But listen, let's not despise it if actually we just get to share a little bit of the story, sow a little bit of a seed. 
Um, and it's so easy, and I, this is obvious, I know this is obvious, but I honestly think sometimes we forget. You were like, okay, I need to go. I'm commissioned, I'm sent. But actually not, not realizing or not being consciously aware of, hey, listen, but I go with him. Actually, the Holy Spirit goes with me. I'm sent, but I am empowered as I go. It's so important. As I go, to sow those seeds, to show and tell. Paul says this in Romans 15, verses 18 to 19. He talks about, he's talking about his ministry, really. And he says this, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Listen, fully proclaiming the gospel of Christ is signs and wonders as much as it's anything that comes out of my mouth. Like We need to really believe for that and get hold of that. Like We settle for so much less. It should be normal. Signs and wonders should be normal. And the, the biggest sign and the wonder, the biggest miracle is someone going from death to life, being born again. It's amazing. So what Paul is saying is, listen, the only thing I want to talk about is what Jesus has done through me. So yes, through the stuff that he's done in leading the Gentiles to obey God. So he's saying, listen, you know, these people who didn't know God, I have led them through Jesus to know God and to obey God, to become Christians, see salvation. And he said it's, it's been through him by what he said and done. You know, so Paul was acutely aware. It's not just about what I say, but if you read Acts, sort of second half of Acts is a lot of Paul's story. Often he does say a lot, you know, quite long speeches where he's unpacking, listen, this is what the Bible says and this is what your history's told me. Let me tell you. All the, let me tell you, using his words, but absolutely miraculous signs and wonders as well. It's what he said and it's what he did was totally effective in leading people to know Jesus. But he is so aware. He is under no illusion. Yes, it's through him, his words, his actions, but it's all the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read you verse 19 from the Amplified Version. It says this, Even, in, even as my preaching, my words, has been accompanied with the power of signs and wonders. So it's both. And all of it by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not his clever, work, clever words. Like, it's not that he was super committed. Like, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in what he said and what he did. It's all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was inspired. He was filled. He was sent. He was, you know, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was all the Holy Spirit. There really is no other way. But those seeds that we sow, they look different. And in different contexts, it's different things. And that's fine. But in all of it... It's the Holy Spirit on what I say and on what I do that absolutely makes a difference. So even, you know, our hampers, actually, praying, God, Holy Spirit, would you just be on them? You know, it's a bag of Christmas treats. It's a voucher. It's a prophetic word. But with the Holy Spirit on those bags, just imagine what could happen. That's what we need to have faith for and recognize. It looks different. I remember, do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Phil was talking about um, this story where, um, we'd done this outreach on a Sunday, um, super simple, you know, just practical, a little token of God's love, little chocolate egg around Easter time with a little card saying, hey, want you know God really loves you. And we felt like it bombed. It was just a bit like we had no good opportunities. We had no conversations. It was, you know, just a bit, <laughs> nothing much. But later he heard back that there was a guy we met in the park, just gave him an egg, nothing much happened from it. Um, and he was a guy who'd, who'd been homeless, who was struggling and, you know, was really encouraged by that. He then went on to another church a couple of weeks later who put on a special night um, and they kind of fed him, gave him clothes, there were showers, there were hairdressers, all things, and told him again, hey, God loves you. 
A few weeks later, he ends up at the Salvation Army Hostel where our friend Alan was working. Alan got to talk to him and explain the gospel and lead him to Jesus. But he was able to point back and say, oh, I know God loves me because someone gave me an egg in a park. Like, it's a seed. Like, it's a chocolate egg and words on a card, which is irrelevant and ineffective. But the power of the Holy Spirit means it does something. It's clothes and a shower. But with the Holy Spirit, it's powerful in leading people to know God. Sometimes it is so it's sometimes going to be the things that we say, explaining what, you know, who Jesus is, explaining. So many people in the UK don't know what the good news is. They don't actually know the truth of the gospel. They don't know that Jesus is the Son of God, was sent to die for our sins. So, you know, died for my sins, rose to new life, so I am completely forgiven, can be born again and made completely new and live with him in abundant life here and now, but eternal life for then. Like, that's the good news. So many people in our country don't know it. They know Jesus was born in a manger. Like, they, you know, they might know that the church does some stuff, like they, but they don't actually know the good news. So sometimes it is about explaining it. Hey, can I, you know, has anyone told you who Jesus is and what he's done? There's so many people we'll meet who actually the answer is no. So sometimes the seed is our word. Sometimes it is apologetics. You know, sometimes it is what would look very practical. So on a Friday night when we go and do street outreach, you know, every Friday night, 28 years of this church, we've gone and, and met people who end up on the streets, you know, give them clothes, you know, hot drinks and food, talk to them, pray with them, just go be with them. If you've never done it, I would encourage you go do it. It's such a beautiful thing we get to do. And it's very practical on one level. But with the Holy Spirit, all of it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is effective in leading people to know God. I'm convinced of it. Sometimes it does look more overtly spiritual and supernatural, and we need to believe for that and step out as well. I remember um, a few years ago, Phil and I used to lead our sort of evening congregation. That's kind of was our training ground, really. So we were sort of young adults, um, students, and uh, we used to, every term we'd put on an evening called Taste, um, where we were really intentional about invite your friends. You know, we want to really make a good job of kind of just people being able to encounter God. Um, and we didn't, you know, we didn't sort of, we didn't go super seeker sensitive. Like we were like, we're going to worship God wholeheartedly. We're going to believe for the presence of God to come. We're going to, we want to share some testimonies. We want to tell people about Jesus. And we did prophetic teams that we always do every week. We didn't call them that because people have no grid what that is. I think we call them insight teams. Um, and so I remember one, uh, one testimony came back and, and Rob Oldfield was on the team. And um, this guy, his housemate had brought him along you know, no good for church, not Christian at all. Um, and it came to the insight team. And, and Rob said to him, he says, he says, I don't know why, he says, but I cannot, he says, I keep have, just keep thinking of Stuart Pierce, you know, the England footballer. He's like, this, it's like I, and he just stepped out and said, listen, this might sound really weird, but I just keep thinking of Stuart Pierce. Does that, is that relevant to you at all? And this guy was like, chin hits the floor because he's like, how? he's like, I was named after Stuart Pierce, my dad was like the biggest football fan, loved Stuart, I think it's probably a Nottingham Forest fan. He's like, I'm called Stuart. And the reason I'm called Stuart is, is because of Stuart Pierce, which is amazing. Like, it's a seed. Like, did, you know, did we unpack the gospel? No, but was that a seed of, listen, God really knows you. He knows that about you. Amazing. So when the Holy Spirit, we allow him to work in us and through us, it's amazing, but it's all seeds. And all we have to do is be faithful with the seed that Holy Spirit gives us. Sometimes it is absolutely, it is signs and wonders. Listen, I want for us to believe for, you know, for healing. I want that to be our, our normal is, can I pray for you and expect to see healing? I remember last year, I think it was, our, um, 
one of my friends on our street, one of our neighbours, had a um, tennis elbow. And um, so she was, we were just kind of chatting. And I was a physio for 15 plus years. So she kind of was, she was around at our house and she was talking and was kind of wanting me to kind of give us some pointers from a physio point of view, which I did. And not with much hope, because honestly, tennis elbow is the worst thing in the world to treat. I think I almost never got anyone better with tennis elbow. So if you've got it this morning, get someone to pray for you. Don't ask me anything. But anyway, so I kind of said, well, you could try this stretch and you could try this or that. And, but then I was like, no, I'm supposed to pray for it. So I said, hey, could I pray for it? Um, so just in our lounge, kind of just prayed, ask God to heal. Nothing happened. I was like, well, okay. The next morning she texts me saying, Sarah, what on earth have you done to my arm? She's like, it feels completely different. It feels completely better. I was like, oh, Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, that needs to not be our occasional stories from the past. That needs to be our norm. Like, I want for us individually, I want for me, I want for Phil and I and our kids as a family, I want for us as a church family, that to be the norm that all the time we're just thinking, hey, what are the seeds that I can sow this week? What is it in my words? What is it in my actions? Whether that's just acts of kindness and generosity and providing where there's need, whether it is more overtly spiritual and supernatural, but listen, it's all supernatural. Actually, that should be our norm. So all of it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So our normal everyday little offerings that we can give, when that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, is so effective. So we have to understand, listen, we are sent. All of us are commissioned. We're all sent to show and tell the good news. But all of it is in the Holy Spirit. Listen, we're not sent without being equipped. We're called to go and we're anointed to go. Isaiah 61, and Jesus talks, used this when he started his ministry. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the, good news has, uh, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Listen, I'm sent to proclaim good news. That means I say some stuff, I have words, but there's stuff to do as well. But all of it is because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Like we have been anointed. So as much as we're commissioned to go, we are anointed to go as well. And so our everyday little token things we can give are both powerful, but all of it, all of the stuff that we do is the Holy Spirit working through us. And I, like, and I know on one level we know that and it's obvious, but it's so important that we remind ourselves of that because that's what raises our expectation. Because listen, if the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives you, in you and lives in me, then there is nothing that is impossible. And we should have way bigger expectations of what walking with Jesus looks like. If that's true, then everything is different. But honestly... So often, I live like I don't believe that that is true. But it is. That is the truth. So it's understanding in this journey of having greater faith and expectation for salvation. It's the Holy Spirit in me, anointing me and through me that makes a difference. So it's the Holy Spirit's work in you and I. But it's also you know, the Holy Spirit working in the lives of the people that we go to. So yes, we're sent... But it's the Holy Spirit is working in the people that we're sent to as well. This is another bit in the, from the Last Supper in John 15 where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit in verse 26. It says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father. It's this consistent promise. I will send him. When the, uh, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. So we see this partnership. Listen, I will send you the Holy Spirit 
and he is going to testify about me. So the Holy Spirit is going to be active, telling and talking to other people about Jesus. But it's definitely partnership. Verse 27, you also must testify. So we have to do that as well. Other translations say bear witness. So to testify, to bear witness. That's what you do if you, know, if you witness an accident or you know, you're called to be a witness in a trial. Um, you're just called to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. But actually, all you're doing is saying, this is what I saw. This is what I heard. This is what I felt. Like This, this is what I can tell you. Um, that's all we're supposed to do. That's what testifying looks like. But knowing that as we do that, the Holy Spirit is testifying as well. And it's his work that makes the difference. You know, Paul says in Corinthians, doesn't he, he talks about um, that the cross of Jesus is, is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's a stumbling block, he says. But to those of us who believe, it is the power of God on salvation. What's the, what's the difference on one level? So, you know, one event, the cross of Jesus, the, the, the news of what he did for us. To some people, it's absolute foolishness. And if you think about it with your, you know, I have a my logical, pragmatic, human reasoning, it's complete foolishness that God would be born as a baby to a virgin and would be God as a man but would live a perfect life and that his one death would pay for the sins of the whole world. And so now me, with all my frailty and weakness and rebellion, can be completely forgiven and brought close to Father God. It's madness. Like you, you can under, like we, I can understand why people are like, you know, that is like a fairy tale. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who believe, it is the power of God's salvation. Listen, the only difference between them and us is that the Holy Spirit has, has revealed it to us as this is true. It's the Holy Spirit's work in the people that we're sent to that is going to make the difference. That's one of the things, another one of the things that Jesus says in that conversation with his disciples at the Last Supper is that, listen, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, starting with the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He has died for my sin. Like, it's the Holy Spirit. I don't talk myself into that, and I can't talk anyone else into it. It's the, as I speak, though, as I show, as I tell, the Holy Spirit testifies and leads people into, this is truth. It's that light bulb moment when their spiritual eyes and ears are opened. And it's like, wow, this is real. This is true. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's his work. It's his role to convince other people, to convict them of, listen, this is true. John 16, it's another part. This is from the Amplified Version, verse 8, talking about the Holy Spirit. And he, when he comes, again, not if, when, when he comes, he will convict the world about the guilt of their sin and the need for a saviour and about righteousness and about judgment. So yes, you and I bear witness. Yes, we show and tell. But it's the Holy Spirit who convicts people. Listen, there is a problem and here's the answer. Otherwise, you know, people need to know they're in need of a saviour to have their eyes opened to this beautiful saviour. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be super clear. I can't do that bit and the pressure is off because I don't need to. That's the Holy Spirit's role. But I do have a part to play. But it's this understanding of listen. Because I don't know, if you're anything like me, I can sometimes get so tied up with overthinking it and well, what will they think if I say that? And if I say that, will that be helpful or confusing? And like, we can really overthink it. But ultimately, when someone has a genuine encounter with God and the Holy Spirit opened their eyes, honestly, it doesn't really matter what you and I say. Like, it will be enough. I remember um, 
a really good story illustrates this. When I was a student, I had a really good friend who I actually grew up with back home and um, not a Christian, wasn't a Christian background, um, and had come along to church with me and, and genuinely had kind of met with the Lord and made some steps in faith when we were teenagers. And anyway, we both ended up in Manchester at university and, um, and she wasn't walking with the Lord and, and you know, would not call herself a Christian. But I invited her along to um, church a few times, took her along to some sort of mission things. And, and I remember her coming to church with me months once and, um, and I was like, you know when you're sitting there, if you brought someone to church and you're then constantly analysing is that going to help or is that going to hinder? How are they going to hear that? Like, all the time that was going on. And, and I was like, I brought it to the right week because Phil's dad, um, Martin, was speaking. And, and I thought he did a killer job at just kind of explaining the gospel. Just kind of, I was like, yes, this is the best week to have brought her to. Anyway, chatting with her after, and she hated it. She was like super offended, super confused. Like, I was just like, ah, like I didn't, I didn't think that was going to be how that was. So anyway, a few weeks later, um, she came again, my advice. I was like, great, okay, another chance. And this was an evening when we were, um, we had Don and Christine Potter with us for the evening. Does anyone, anyone remember? Did anyone know Don and Christine Potter? Right, so you're smiling, so you know where this conversation's going. So th- the first week with Phil's dad, I was like, this is it. You know, it's going to be clear, it's going to be straightforward, it's going to be super accessible for non-Christians. Hated it. Nothing happened. You know, if, like, if there were any seeds growing, they were well and truly crushed. And I was like, I don't get this. So then, she comes again. Now, for those of you who don't know, Don is an amazing musician. Like, he's genuinely, unbelievably talented. He's really prophetic. And the way he kind of led the evening was he basically sat on his chair with his guitar and um, just played all evening and he taught a bit and sung a little bit and then he prophesied a little bit. And all the while, his wife, Christine, was standing behind him, kind of interceding and prophesying through how she moved as much as what she said. She's an amazing, she is a powerhouse spiritually, but she looks bonkers. Like, honestly, she does. She's got this huge mop of white hair. And, I mean, honestly, so I was just sitting there going, oh, Jesus, this is definitely going to, this is it. This is all hope is lost. And actually, do you know what? I've... Christine has prayed for me before now, and I'm not even joking. It was the most powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, and stuff absolutely shifted in a moment. Like she's, and so I, one of my big lessons is: listen, I am logical, I am pragmatic, I like things to make sense. I'm really overly reserved sometimes. I'm very British, right? But one of my biggest lessons is: listen, sometimes it might look really odd, sometimes it might really stretch me, but actually, if that's what Holy Spirit's asking me to do, then I'm in, and I'm all right with it. Like I'm uncomfortable, but I'm okay. And, and honestly, so I, I love Christine. She's amazing. But I was sat there next to my friend just thinking, oh, no. Like, this is, why, why this week of all weeks? Chatting to her at the end, and she was like, wow, I've never experienced a presence like that before. She's like, I've never been in an atmosphere like that. Something is, ma-. so I was a bit like, do you know what? Listen, I'm not saying be weird for weird's sake. Like, definitely, I'm not saying that. You know, the kind of, the idea that, you know, the more weird it is, the more prophetic it is. Like, that, I just don't buy that. But there's no formulas, is what I'm trying to say. And I hope this is helpful. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I want to do a good job at explaining the gospel. And I don't want to have unnecessarily hurdles in the way. But we've always said, listen, we are not going to go down a, what gets classed a seeker-sensitive route for church in terms of, I remember we were talking to a, it was actually a, someone who was at parents at the same school our kids were at, and he was church leader. Um, 
and he said, you know, yeah, we, you know, we don't, we don't really kind of talk about sin much anymore at church. You know, find that doesn't, you know, people don't really like it. Doesn't go down that well. Kind of like I'm going to dress, you know, I'm going to take away anything that maybe, like, listen, Phil and I, that's not the kind of church we want to lead. But I want this to be a safe space where people can come and experience the presence of God because it doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth. If they meet the presence of God and the Holy Spirit opens their eyes, then that's enough. So I'm, so I'm not saying that we don't want to do a good job at being, you know, we do want to do, like next week, we want to do a really good job at being massively aware there'll be people in the room who might not know Jesus. And we want to communicate well, like we don't want to be inaccessible, but what we need, is this making any sense? What we need is the Holy Spirit, actually, because the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people, that's what makes a difference. Not what you and I do, not what we can kind of construct from the stage. We want to, we're very intentional about what we do at church. But I, I, so I'm, we're really intentional about that. But I am so aware that Holy Spirit, unless you come, this is a waste of time and let's just not bother. But he's promised to come. He's in us. And so it's all worth it. So that whole kind of journey with my friend, like if it taught me anything, it taught me that, listen, Sarah, you like to plan, you like to have a figure out, you like to know what to say, you like to kind of rationalize it out. But listen, God is bigger than all of that stuff. Thank the Lord. And so, yes, invite. Yes, be ready with an answer. It says that in the Bible. Be ready with an answer. Be ready to tell your story. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit working in the lives of the people that we're sent to that makes the difference. His job, not mine, not yours, is to convince people of their need for a saviour and to open their eyes to Jesus. So sometimes we can get so worried about what to say and we can overthink it um, and think, all righty, okay, well, I, you know, I want to pray for opportunities. I, I want to have a chance to talk to people at work or my family, and, but I don't know what to say. Listen, here's a beautiful promise. Matthew 10, verses 18 to 20. It says this, on my account, this is Jesus talking, on my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Listen, I don't think that's only for if you get arrested. Like, I think we can take that promise. Listen, we're going to have opportunities, maybe not to stand before kings and governors, although some of you may, but maybe in front of, you know, work colleagues or people on your street or friends or neighbors. You're going to have opportunities to stand before people as witnesses, right? We are all going to have those. When that happens, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. You'll be given what to say. It'll be the Holy Spirit speaking through you. If anything is going to take the pressure off you and I, it's that. Listen, I, yes, I need to open my mouth, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. So don't worry. Don't overthink it. But on the what? Yeah, so yes, be ready with an answer. But no, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through you that makes the difference. Same in prayer. You know, we talk, you know, talk about that. If, you know, if, if our missional activity, that's a rubbish phrase, but if, our, if the stuff that we do in our showing and telling the gospel is like seeds and we need the Holy Spirit absolutely on those seeds as we plant them. Prayer is about praying for the soil that we're planting those seeds in. So it's like, Holy Spirit, would, would you be doing something in the soil of people's lives so that actually when I get a chance to sow a seed, there's life, there's growth, there's roots, there's fruit. So prayer is such an important part of us really believing for and having a sustained faith for salvation, not just for six weeks when we did a series on it, but genuinely, I am believing for these people, those people on that wall, those names of individual people and families that we are believing we're going to see saved. 
Listen, we have to keep praying for them. And even when that wall's not there anymore, we need to contend and believe for prayer. But even, and so there's a responsibility on that. I loved, you know, Will and um, Olivia's story last week. Olivia was sharing about actually just believing for Will to be saved, praying every single day. And without her knowing it, Simon Bray was praying every day as well. And prayer pays off. It makes a difference. So we need to commit to pray. But listen, even as we pray, it's the Holy Spirit in and through our prayers that makes a difference. Let me read you this. This is the message translation of Romans 8, verses 26, 28. It says this, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how to pray or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. That's an amazing promise. If we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to pray, if we're weary in the waiting, you know, I know some of you have been praying for people for years, and you're like, yeah, weary in the waiting, that totally sounds like where I'm at. If we don't know what or how to pray, it's the Holy Spirit even does that for us. So again, it's pressure off, but Holy Spirit, I need you. The whole way through it, all of this, all, all, all of this is the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus was so clear at the Last Supper, this absolute promise, I will send him to you. He is coming. And listen, this is what it's going to look like. Um, And so it, it was that promise looking forward to Pentecost, Everything changed for those, you know, disciples in that room locked away. Everything changed in a moment. You know, Peter was able to stand. You know, Peter, who completely denied Jesus, understandably, at the cost of his own life. People, they'd seen Jesus crucified in front of them. They were shut away because they were scared. The Holy Spirit came and everything changed. And Peter, the uneducated fisherman, this amazing speech you see him stand up and say on, in Acts, able to explain the gospel and look at everything in the Old Testament. And like he was able suddenly, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit changed everything. And it's so important that we understand that we're absolutely called to go. We're sent, but we're sent anointed with the Holy Spirit. And there was this really clear um, instruction from Jesus. So one of the last times in Acts chapter 1, one of the last times Jesus is with his disciples before Jesus goes back to heaven. So he's, he's died, he's resurrected, he's spent time with his disciples, but before he goes back to heaven, it says this in Acts 1 verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. So all the stuff I told you at the last supper, that one I told you about, don't leave Jerusalem, wait for this gift. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen, I told you I only had one point, and it is simply this. In all of our, our walk with wanting to have faith and expectation for salvation, the one thing that you and I need to remember is that we're sent to go to the ends of the earth. But if we go without having waited for the Holy Spirit, like it's going to be fruitless. But the promise was, I will send the Holy Spirit, 
and that actually when he comes, you will receive power to be witnesses. Let's not try and be witnesses without having waited for power. Actually, but let's believe. No, he's promised, like he now lives in me. I am now a temple of the Holy Spirit. So yes, I'm sent, but I'm empowered. So in, you know, in having faith for salvation, in my commitment to pray, in my kind of boldness to kind of grit my teeth and get over myself and, and take the opportunities that God gives me, the opportunities to tell some of my story, the opportunities to demonstrate some of God's goodness, maybe in a very practical way, to pray for somebody who's ill, to maybe have a prophetic word for someone. In all of those things, the one thing that we can do that makes the most difference is honestly to be on our knees saying, come Holy Spirit. Without him, it's pointless. With him, it's going to be amazing. So would you stand? I'd love for us to pray for one another.